he valued three life over stopping Sisse from comboing off. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something you need to do in CDH? Stop Sisse from comboing off? Is that a <laughs> it's uh, actually optimal it's a- play? Yeah, it's probably one of the best decks right now. Yeah. Um, okay, so the main topic then is just to... We call it like, you know, like CDH expectations. You know? Yeah, or kind of like uh, those players are like uh, Jar Jar Binksing the situation where like <laughs> you're in the Star Wars situation, you got all these Jedis running around, and but Jar Jar is making plays that are is affecting things just by fucking not doing what anyone knows what to expect. Yeah. Stars Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I am here with two other mock stars. We've got Christopher Ritter. You know, you always warn us that you're going to jump right into it, and I am never prepared for the for the like that volume level. The first of time the- I jump right into it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here we are. We are here, here. I am. Hi, Chris. Yeah. Hi. And Jordan Garcia. Yo, what up? Just a friendly reminder that uh, this is the number one podcast for Dr. Pepper and the number one podcast on the internet. You can follow us and support Just us flat out. by finding yeah. us on YouTube. You can sub- like, subscribe, and hit that little bell for more notifications. You can join our Discord server where you can... Do everything. You, you can, can do just, real pepper little, heads are on the Discord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should have a little pepper channel. That'd be yeah. Sad. If you're salty, you're like a little pepper. Uh, you can go to the Discord channel and uh, discuss it there. We have been having a great time in Brew Buddies lately. Tons of, tons of deck brewing, tons of spoilers, tons of uh, running games. Yep. And a great community. Uh, you can also find us on all major podcasting platforms where if you go in and you leave us a review, a good review... You go. It goes a long way to helping support the show by uh, increasing our chances of uh, reaching new people and the algorithm benefiting us. You know. Yeah, one star reviews don't blah, help blah. that much, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, they actually hurt us. Believe it or not. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of reaching new people, I have a little thing I want to throw out there. Last week in my absence, we had a player interview, Atlas, one yep. of the uh, you know uh, vanguard uh, players in the Pacific Northwest here in the community, and we are looking to do more player interviews so getting on our discord talking to us at tournaments stuff like that great way to get your name in the mix or if there's a player that you're hot to know uh their inner workings definitely bring up their name and we can get that in the pipeline yeah we're excited to do more of it yeah if you're out there and you're trying to make waves or you are winning tournaments we want you on the show winning tournaments coming up with something new you know pushing us forward the industry forward a little bit that's what we want to talk to yeah, and that's kind of the direction we want to go. We want to be doing this tournament coverage and like all these decks can kind of be the same, right? Card for card for card. But we all know that it comes down to the pilot and that's what we want to focus on. So uh, we're looking forward to creating more content like that. If you guys want to see more content like that, be sure to leave a little comment down below. Today, our pregame actions. We have a couple and we also have our main topic, which is going to be talking about optimized play at tournaments uh, in a competitive setting. So uh, first pregame action, we finally see the all of the alter, uh, alternate arts and the full release of Commander Masters, which is a crazy set that uh, has... I haven't seen... I mean, it's highly anticipated, of course. It has a lot of reprints that people have been looking forward to. Finale Devastation, Fierce Guardianship, that whole cycle uh, with Deflecting Swat and Obscuring Haze, which looks incredible as an alternate art. I was thoroughly shocked. And uh, yeah, we finally get the... We we were actually just talking about things like spectator seating, getting alternate arts. Yeah, honestly, didn't even notice. Yeah, all the battle bond... Or half the battle bond cycle. Yeah, the ones that are printing... uh, whole new art set very cool yeah i'm actually a little sad that they didn't didn't do the full cycle mm-hmm. or at least print the enemy side of the lands in the does pre-cons. does wizards ever do that print the full cycle in a set i feel like they're always doing half the cycle they but did an un- so annoying that they did the same half of the cycle in the last two printings <laughs> yeah and then they the art styles are completely different so your deck mm-hmm. has no continuity that's that's my problem with it is like i'm glad we're getting full arts for these cards that didn't have alternate arts mm-hmm. but 
then again, when when they finally go forward and they do the next commander set or whatever, those artworks won't have continuity with the ones that are printed now. So when you build your deck, like everyone wants to have their own personalized flair. Like I love having the expedition lands, but now I'm stuck with half of the battle bond lands not having expedition arts. So I can't play like I don't play spectator seating and it's a personal choice because it does not have an expedition. Yes, yeah, so that's not insane at all. You know that is the correct amount insane of <laughs> Thank insane. You. Yeah. Thank you. Um, another pregame action. Mm-hmm. I have a little mailbag. And just hold that up to the camera. Yep. Oh, oh just, here it is. Just can you keep it in see? frame? Ah, Make sure sick. we get it. Oh my god, that's yeah. great. Oh yeah, if you can see this right now on camera, um, it's beautiful. It is a Dadzy altar. I got my own little uh, two cards altered. I got the Red Terror, which is unreal it's terrifying it actually looks fucking sick we'll put the pictures up yeah i'll put the pictures up in the discord so be sure to join uh and then i also got cinder vines because it was that first tournament i played i was really surprised with how well they interacted with one another in shalai and halar so i got that altar done and this one was actually the most surprising of them all it i had no idea how he was going to depict it but he blew it out of the water Yeah, dude popped off Absolutely. Uh, and it's just a little plug for uh, Dadzy Creative Altars. Like, get out there, follow him on Instagram. You can message him, get your own altars. It is one of the, like, I'd say more uh, financially friendly altars you can get with, like, s- absolutely stellar results. Yeah. Support a small artist, get some cool cards. Yeah, totally. Uh, it was about a five week wait, but it was totally worth it. Uh, and. Let's just move right into it. Let's talk about the tournament recap, the thing that we we just got back from. Mm-hmm. We played a tournament. It's uh, It was CDH2, the run back at Laughing Dragon MTG in Issaquah, Washington. One of our favorite card shops. Yeah, this is where Jordan, uh, Jordan, myself, and Kyle all went and competed. Jordan, what'd you play? What deck did you uh, play? Tevkrom. Tevkrom. Kyle took Joda the Unifier, mm-hmm. which was... Such a fun deck. It was such a fun deck. I really hoped he was going to steal some games. And I ran it back with Shalai and Halar. So, um, story on the day. Uh, Jordan, how'd you do? I did pretty poorly. Uh, I, <laughs> I took zero wins for the day. Um, I'd like to chalk it up to just being emotionally and physically exhausted from my personal life. But, uh, yeah, I mean, part of it is... Uh, I think what we'll be talking about in a little bit is, you know, accepting the meta, looking around, uh, you know, actually using that to influence your opinions. You know, we're talking about playing optimally in tournaments. Um, I love my deck and I've always been trying to make it work, but at a certain point you need to look around and realize that every single deck around you plays rule of law and, uh, <clears throat> stacks effects. And if you're not that you're a five color mid range deck. So, um, I'm finding that it's very difficult to like shoehorn anything else into the current meta. Because it just doesn't thrive. So uh, for you and that deck, is it the commander pairing of Tevkrom? No. Or is it the, it, it's the deck? It's, card? The, it's, it's the just, deck. Like yeah. Tevkrom was my answer, my attempted answer to this because I've been experiencing this, right? I played okay, like, and, and how would Tevkrom uh, circumvent that? Uh, extra card draw, right? So you, okay. you essentially have two huge value engines in the command zone, and that gives you that mid-range status that allows you to kind of grind and keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my my attempted answer of playing the deck I wanted to play um, while seeing that it's not the best deck for this meta. Um, and, you know, I will keep playing it because it's the deck I like. But, I mean, looking at maybe coming out to tournament specifically, I'll probably be looking at building a new deck for that. So so do you think... So you've been hot on Thick Grixis for a while. Do you thick think, Grixis. Do you think that you're over it? Uh, still going to going to slim it down TBD, gonna, yeah i mean there's a chance yeah. you know if i build a five color mid-range pile which i'm looking at building i'm looking at building sis a for tournament play i think um i think i i'll i don't know i like playing all those cards so it, it'll depend like i really like um playing grixis without the ad nauseum thing is let's okay. play like really cool things like we're playing um bulls of citadel plus necropuns and now with born upon a wind that whole like uh, archetype has gotten some gas yeah necro born upon a wind is, is pretty it's hot. pretty fun yeah. right and so there's a lot of new play strategies and play lines that i really want to keep working out but i i've really been saying that necropotence is a card <laughs> that just needed to be gassed up a little bit 100 100 percent um were, so, were you able to pull that off at all in the tournament no or? i wasn't yeah. i didn't i just had kind of a rough uh rough part of it and again like when we'll get into our main topic coming up uh, was it the deck or the deck plus rng like do you I think was, maybe you'd have a different perspective oh yeah if rng went went the other way and you went one and four or something you know? oh yeah i mean 
No, I, I've still felt this for a while, right? I've still felt that the meta is just not healthy for the deck I like to play. Um, but I will say I had some of the fucking worst RNG at this tournament, bro. Like a multiple mulls to five. Um, and, and like, I'll draw like six cards and five of them were lands. And then I got hit by Paco three times and he literally hit like Ristic Study, Bolsa Citadel, Brave, or, uh, uh, Underworld Breach. And so it's like, I don't know. Uh, sometimes like, I mean, that's a huge part about going to tournaments, right? Sometimes like you can be as prepared as you want to be or can be. And sometimes you just lose to RNG as well. Um, but that being said, you know, don't hit the player, hit the game, you know, kind of thing. I want to change and build a new deck, and I'm excited to bring Sisse uh, or Najila. So I'm messing around with some some five color piles, dude. That's how you know Jordan is frustrated beyond belief. He dropped an f bomb. Did I? Yeah. Salty language. Oh, uh, salty spittoon. Or that, or I just can't stop myself from swearing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I do feel like the current meta, the way it stands right now, like Jordan kind of put it plainly. There's a little bit more like depth to that but you can state it as if you are not playing stacks you you're playing five color pile to uh grind through those stacks to like find alternate ways around and that's kind of how one of my games went was uh you know we played plenty of stacks throughout and the five color pile had a line through it which is great like that's great deck building um but i would love to see you on sauron the dark lord i think that if you can't win through (laughs) you can still combo through but you can still win through punching face, right? After you, the board is locked down, you still have the option to punch, you know, people to death. So uh, that'd be a, that'd be a cool deck, I think. I think that'd be a cool deck. I don't think that's going to be my tournament deck. <laughs> I, I won't be surprised, you know, like decks for winning. I, I think uh, I would love to see you uh, build it and you know, like actually see if you like it or not before you start like focusing in it as a tournament deck. But um, yeah, I think it'd be a fun deck to take to tournament. How was your tournament experience, Evan? Um, I had a great time. Like, uh, and you took Shalai and Halar, right? Yeah, not You've been f- grinding tournaments with that. Yeah, and not to say that I had a great time because my record was uh one, two, and two. So I had one win on the day, two draws, two losses, and so um, the first two games were rough. Just right off the bat, I took a loss to a really cool deck. Right off the bat, it was uh. It was that Max and uh, Will. It's uh, a very cool deck. Yeah, Max and Will from, from Stranger Things. Oh, uh, it's uh, clue-based interactions. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends Forever like type yep. thing. So there's infinite mana outlet in in the command zone with Will. Just like you flick him a bunch of times, and you just keep choosing each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. And so uh, there are those lines, and. Uh, he was playing and his name's Zach. He was uh playing this it was just such a creative build. It was we, really cool. Yeah. I we were worried because like on turn four or whatever, he was already jamming the win. Like we were setting up still. We like I went down to five in game one and I just like I couldn't get any lands. All the the hands that I took on the first three were were wonderful. The contents of the of the hand were great, but I couldn't keep any of them. It was like a Draneth, you know, here and there, you know, like the I don't want to rhetoric stuff that'll help me slow the game down a little bit more. Uh even an authority of the consoles, which would have prevented the win. Uh but uh, I had no lands. I had no mana to produce them. So I ended up going on to five and I picked up a hand that was um, uh, two lands, a uh, uh, mana crypt and an arcane signet and another and a ragavan. So it was literally uh, I turn one ragavan so I could get out there and just start generating more mana the following turn. Mm-hmm. And then I went crypt, signet, swing, treasure, um, exiled something not of importance and then uh, it just kept trying to like grind through and get card advantage and eventually fall into something and that just didn't play out in my favor it really sucked but I, that meant I had no interaction either so um, yeah I was just still sitting there trying to grind and he walked away with it luckily we had some interaction to keep let the go around the table one more time but he would not be denied and took the dub on that one uh, game two was uh, pretty crazy. This was the first draw of the day. Uh, or yeah, and it was me throwing the game. Honestly, I was not in the right mindset. But this this game ultimately changed my mindset for the rest of the day. I went in, and it's it was a table with a lot of familiar players. So like Dylan, Adam, and then um, 
the other player was not familiar, <laughs> you know, uh, somebody else's name was Devin. I had never played with him before. He was on Sisse, a lot of decks on Sisse, a lot of people playing Sisse, uh, on Saturday. So, um, it was Sisse, Rocco and Kenrith against Shaline Halar. And it was set up like that from the get go. I had such a great starting hand locked on the board. I don't know, rhetoric, put down Shaline Halar and I had the battle out. So I had already shown that like my intention is to hit the battle, right? That's why I'm putting this thing out. Um, but someone uh, laid down a uh, Draneth and then uh, after that, and so uh, they popped the Shaline Halar and it was just a struggle to get back and forth. I presented the win towards the end of time, or the ten, or, uh, towards the end of the uh, uh, limit of time in the, in the round. And I was deciding where to send my attacker. Sisse had an activation. Rocco... <sighs> It's the one who stopped me and Dylan. And uh, then we had Kenrith over here who had nothing. And he had just taken his turn. The Rocco player had flashed in endurance to stop him from winning. And so he goes, I can't do anything. So I guess I'll pass the game to you, you know, because I had already had the win condition on the field. And I was deciding where to send Shaline Halar. And I was looking around the field and I was like, Kenrith's always got some tricky, you know, something tricky, you know, never shows their true hand. And um, I totally forgot about endurance on Rocco's field because there's a relevant line of text. Uh, endurance has reach. Yeah, every line of text can matter in a in a high power game. Yep, competitive game. Yeah, it's yep. painful. And so I swung over at Rocco, and he goes, "You're swinging at me," and I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Block with endurance," and I'm just like. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I wanted to throw my chair through the window, dude. I was like sitting there just like shaking my chair like fuck. And I was just so pissed. And it went around the table two more times. And on this following turn, so Shalai Halar dies. I gave it lifelink before so I could put a plus and plus encounter on another creature and at least try to establish some sort of like blocking board state. Um, it goes around the table. Everyone's still stacked out. I cast Shalai Halar. Time runs out. Goes to turns. I don't get another turn. And uh, game ends. Game ends in a draw. Should have had it. That was my uh, absolutely my fault. Had I just swung at Kenrith, who only had two open, you know, in the time two open mana, um, I would have won the game. So frustrating. We go to lunch. We sit down. I'm pissed. We get a sandwich. And um, at that point, my mentality changed. I said, I need to win. I need to win if I want to make top sixteen. So uh, coming into that next game. I draw again, which uh, it was a game where it was just literally two drawn and Lavalas on the board, mm-hmm. a Eidolon of Rhetoric, three Draneth Magistrates, um, just all stacks. Everyone had stacks. See what I'm fucking saying? Yeah, I hear yeah. it. So, Drawn and Lavala is a name that is coming up a oh, lot. Oh, it's a really lately. good card. I feel like people slept on that when it was printed and it's just shown up in deck lists. Mm-hmm. Oh, bro, it yeah. was my number one. I was just like sitting there looking at the set. I'm like, Drawn and Lavala is the card, like from from the set for sure. I want to get out there and buy buy my copies soon. Um, but yeah, the game was just stacked out. There was 20 minutes left in the round, and I said, "All right, everyone, we need to have a very candid conversation." This is the board state. Look at it. I will explain exactly what I want to do. I want all the Draneth Magistrates gone because I have a red terror on the battlefield. And if I get get that, I win the game. That's what I want. Right. But for this, for these reasons, these board pieces have to stay in place. Like Elishnorn has to stay on the board because it's stopping all ETB effects, stopping Kenrith from winning, like all this. So I, I said, there's 20 minutes remaining. The way this stands... I like I had used Invasion of Gobakan early in the game to look at there were two Kenrith players look at one of their hands he had a mana drain hadn't used it yet I knew he was going to use it on the Cyclonic Rift that was going to warp the game so I was like 20 minutes left let's just call it a draw let's save our time and they're like "Eh, we'll see if it runs down to time you know zeros on the clock we'll revisit the conversation and I said okay and so I can do nothing on my turn. I'll pass. And then the guy's like, pass, 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 all the way around the table. Time ran out. And I said, you guys want to draw or what? And nothing on the board changed at all. And they're like, yeah, let's draw. So went to a draw. Um, I finally ended up in a pod that uh, in in the fourth round that was um, not necessarily favorable. You know, it was like Winota. And I got paired with Kyle here Mm -hmm. going first in turn order. 
and uh, it was uh, Winota in third turn, uh, and then on the fourth turn was uh, Ikra Shidiki and uh, uh, the Sakashima okay. of a thousand faces. Okay. So, Kyle went first like three or four times. He had a really yeah. He, and the thing is, that's insane. In this game, if I didn't have the force of vigor that up like upset the entire table. I, he probably would have run away with it. Yeah, so for people who don't know, uh, Kyle's Jota deck relies on Cascade and Partner in order to generate just a wild board state. He actually changed it up quite a bit. So okay. He actually is focusing like Derevi, Najila, Essica lines. So if you, Ooh, get okay. any, if you get any of those on the board, it's game over because he has infinite combat. While mm-hmm. playing like good stacks legendaries like, you know, Dragon and the Ball. Ball. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a game where Kyle goes first. It crypt this uh, creature, or he played Essica turn one. And so uh, he already had mana on the board. And then it goes to Winota, who land, crypt. And then uh, the uh, Ikra player has to tutor for, tutor for a tutor so they can get more mana. And I was stuck on two lands, but I had a wild growth. And then I top decked Utopia Sprawl. So I had four mana on turn three. And I tapped, I cashed Halai and Halar. Goes into my fourth turn, and I top deck the Red Terror. And I go, <laughs> like, I have to contain myself here because I have four mana and no lands. And so um, on turn two, I use my Force of Vigor, Exiling Dromokus Command to blast both players' mana crypts because otherwise Winota would have seen the field. We probably would have seen some stacks pieces. Archon of the Maria was already on the field, and Kyle was showing that he was going to go for Joda or go for like larger creatures mm-hmm. which would have uh disrupted my board state too so pop both of those comes my turn i top deck red terror and i just go i think i'm safe so cast red terror the whole table goes well i'll see you guys in an hour game like shake up good to go get my first win on the day fifth round comes around and i know that i have to win to get in pretty much was the assumption and uh, we lose to uh, a Sisse deck that walked the line. This is actually the really impressive line that I saw from the day. Um, we had some rewinding happen this game. Happen in this game that was uh, rubbed the other two players the wrong way. But um, ultimately, Sisse won through planeswalkers rather than creatures. Because, oh, okay. I have not seen that. Yeah, and Dark I was Amanatu and mm-hmm. Nickel Bullis, Dragon Lord. Yeah, to get Dragon infinite. Something. Yeah, and then Oath of Teferi to get infinite. Uh, planeswalker activations to kill the table, mm-hmm. which was I've never I'd, I've never seen that before. It was a cool line, and uh, um, was it uh, was that Sisse deck generally a super friends deck? No, they hadn't shown it literally until they did the one search. Okay, yeah, they went and got it to Fairy Master time so they could bounce the stacks piece and then go off. It's but, actually become uh, the kind of or, the targeted line for Sisse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that and like Mel Flickering Darkside are like the two major lines. Yeah, because I had a Containment Priest on the battlefield, which is what I tutored for in order to stop them from winning through creature-based combos, and they had the line built into the deck. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they went for or Teferi Time Raveler. So the three fairy bounced the stacks piece and then and then went off. Um, but this is where, like, a, a conversation that needs to happen, I know that when I felt it three or four times throughout the day, that when the win is in your hand your heart starts beating through your chest and you have to be able to step back, take a deep breath and understand that not every player understands how this win is going to happen or anything. So you need regardless, like, and this also comes down to in, like the inexperience of other players. You, if someone says, I'll do this and do this and go through my whole combo line, you can't say, okay, okay, go ahead. I have no interaction. You win. Like, you can't say that. You have to say, no, 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 I don't quite understand. If you could walk me through it, that'd be great. Regardless of situation, regardless of if you like understand it or whatever, because there were so many stacks pieces on the battlefield that if he had walked through the line because he had gone for Aminatu and as he was like spilling, just putting cards from his library on the battlefield, he was like, I flickered to Revy. I have a containment priest on the battlefield. And I told him, I was like, okay, Derevi is exiled. And then one of the players went, okay, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, this is why you don't say just win, you know, like just go for it. And I'm like sitting here like do it step by step, dude, like step by step, because if you flicker Derevi, you lose the game. So I was like, where is everyone at? Where, how does everyone understand the current board state? Because that's, that is where we'll go to. Like, that's where we need to rewind to. Does everyone agree? 
And everyone around the table said, yes, 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 yes. And I'm like, we can't do that ever again. No rewinding. You slow the hell down on your combo line and explain it step by step. Don't assume that we know. I wouldn't have gone back. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just like, and I looked at him and I said, this is in hopes that you get this win here and that you get first seat at top 16. So you get your first in turn order. I'm doing this. I like pretty much the kindness of my heart. So uh, everyone else at the table is cool with going back to that point. And it was uh, James Fausto who won the tournament in uh, Moscow. Uh, he was playing Gearson Starn again, which is a great deck. He unfortunately didn't have a great hand. But um, yeah, he ended up winning. And then I, you know, I, I chalked another loss up on the record. And I figured, well, there's no way I'm making the cut. So Jordan and Kyle were ready to leave after having not so great of a day. And uh, I just said bye to everybody, made a trade at the end of the day, and then we shipped it on out. I got, we got in the car and started driving home. It wasn't until we started crossing the bridge back to Seattle that Jordan gets a text or a message on discord. That's like, yo, where's Evan at? And I'm like, and then he goes, and then Jordan looks at me and he goes, dude, you made top 16. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. You were, you were 16th. Yeah, I got 16th out of the seven points that I got. Tiebreakers allowed me to creep up the ladder mm -hmm. and make the 16. So I'm pretty sure on a podcast like two podcasts ago, we said stick around and make sure you don't leave early because you never know. And then we left. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it did. The math just didn't make sense. Uh, for It really did. And in our heads, there was just no fucking way that was happening. Yeah, yeah I would not I expect a top 16 with a one, two, two. Right. And so we were walking out the door and Jordan and Kyle were both like, we'd be lying if we weren't. You know, if we told you we weren't praying for your demise, <laughs> they really wanted to gather. Like, so. I was no, I said I was rooting for you, but I'm very happy that you lost. <laughs> <laughs> so we got out of there. We're driving home. We get that message. You made top 16. So I pull off the road. I, you know, they were going to get an Uber back home. And I call Marcus, who's the tournament organizer. I'm like, hey, dude, I mean, I'm turning around. I, I can come back right now, but it says it's going to take me 15 minutes. And he's like, round starts in five. You know, it's, if you jump in, you know, that like you're jumping in and turn order where the game is at at the moment. You know, those first few turns just you're not critical. Gonna win that yeah. Game. You're, yeah, you're not winning that game. They're critical. <laughs> yeah. So um, and it's an imbalanced game. So he said, otherwise, I can give your spot up to the next person who's David. And I know David from playing at Gabby's. We played in Moscow together. He's a great dude. I would rather him have a clean shot at you know making it to the top four rather than me coming in and joining at turn three or four and hoping that you know something falls my way uh that game did last four hours or like three or four hours dear so, god i would yeah. have been miserable uh <laughs> yeah you would have been just sitting there waiting for me i would have been like dude just take the car i guess but, i just would have spent four hundred dollars on an uber home <laughs> right and uh so it sucks that I didn't get my shot. I came home. I sat there and I, I kicked myself the rest of the night, just like wanting. I want, like I want the matchup against Atlas. Like I want the matchup against the best players in the region because, like that just says to me where I stand um, in the like where in the current meta, you know, or like uh, how my deck is built and how I play it and how I pilot. To be the best, you got to beat the best. Exactly. So I really wanted to beat them. I feel like I always have a good matchup uh with that deck so um yeah bummer ultimately very sad tragic as some may say but uh that's ultimately how my day ended for that and i'm still proud of like the way i played um but i understand that like now uh i can't come in with like this mentality start the first two games like man i'm tired you know i gotta come in and be like i'm gonna win yeah, I mean, it's hard when we just like are so busy and we don't have time to like for even like a lot of reps going into a tournament where we just like drift into it day of and be like, oh shit, we're here now. All right. We had one day of games like where we sat down and we were like, okay, these are the games. I guess this is how we get reps. Yeah. You yeah, know, that was like four, four games and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you got to see interactions a bunch of times. Got to get more reps. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It has to happen. Yeah, you said in the middle of the tournament, you were like, I can't be using the game tournament games as reps for my deck. Yeah, like, yeah, hundred percent. It doesn't feel good. Um, but yeah, I think we can move to our main topic now, which, you know, is kind of tied to like tournaments and stuff like that. Our experiences here and just in general, what we've seen, um, kind of around, you know, a little bit what you're saying of that story is just like optimized play. Like, you know, like things have to pivot on a different axis. You know, we also have to come in with a different expectation on what we're doing for tournaments. Um, I will say like, there was definitely a lot of players that were not super experienced at this tournament. 
And I, for one, will say that I love teaching new people and stuff. And I love bringing new people into this format. And I think it's fucking awesome. Sorry, I keep swearing. Um, but I would like to do that in any situation that is not a tournament for money. Mm. Um, like, I just don't think that's the situation. I think we need to be playing CDH in out casual CDH, if you will, where we get those reps in, where we get to pe- teach people new things. I, I mean, there, there needs to be more tournaments where it's kind of like if you're a newer, more inexperienced player, you have your opportunity to do that. And then the bigger tournaments, I just don't think, pool. I don't think that's true. I think we just play CDH and then you go to the tournament. Right. And it's just like, if you are not good enough at the, to be at the tournament, you play more so that you are good for when you go to the next tournament. Like, I don't think we need to have like kiddie pool tournaments. I, I mean, but already the player base is you have casual, right. Or you have CDH. What you're asking for is a, third tier of intermediary cdh well there's like oh. people who are a little more serious but not as serious as the most serious but i, I think it's hard to figure out how do you divide the pool of people self get people to self-select well what it is is i think we just need more recreational cdh games and those are just hard to find pickup games so where mm-hmm. a lot of times you find a good you know congregation of cdh players is at tournaments i think mm-hmm. you know that's sort of what atlas was talking about last week in the structure of how tournaments are like forming now where i think the terminology was there are majors which i would call what we were at on saturday a major where anyone can sign up and then there are super majors where you required to qualify for those right you know so i eat those qualify like those super majors are where i think you find a more focused community of people who understand um the etiquette of command or of competitive edh more so than you find at these like these majors right mm. the that anyone is allowed to sign up and if for this particular instance we had a full like the shop was full like they sold every seat in the house and what was up for grabs was a mox diamond and a few duels and a led so um i know that people want to include others and um like have their friends sign up who aren't like unnecessarily cdh players or not like uh involved in in many of these community aspects but it's also irresponsible to throw them into the fray like that where it's their expectations are that they're going to play commander not necessarily no have the expectation of what is expected for um competitive edh so you throw someone in like there were three of my tables i think i sat with someone who said this is my first tournament ever and while i want to encourage people to be there for tournaments so if you're listening to this and you are one of those people who are there on saturday in issaquah i want you to be at that 100 don't feel discouraged i want you to be there because i want you to get a taste of what we are addicted to you know like what we love and uh, the atmosphere that we love to be a part of that community um but just know that like there's there's a long road like it is uh it is a long arduous road many trials many uh reps many uh you know many games that don't go your way um but you know like in the instance of my last game the game was decided off of a pongify in my opinion the way it all happened was i swung at a guy for two two damage or something like that with a destiny spinner and with lifelinks off of Heliod's activation. And he was like, you swung at the wrong guy. And he pongified Destiny Spinner when I already had a, a rhythm of the wild out. And I'm just like, well, it's a redundant piece. There are definitely going to be like more threatening pieces on the battlefield that you're going to want to save that for. And he's like, nah, you just attacked the wrong guy. And I just went, I went, okay. Like, I guess I'll create a 338. Yeah, so my my whole point is not to like rag on these people and like that's why I lost or anything like that. Not at all whatsoever. But it just comes down to like exactly what you said is like and what we've we've had this conversation a ton of times is just it is a four player game and it's just you really do rely on mutual participation to get through a lot of these games effectively. I mean, threat assessment is like a shared responsibility at the table. 100 percent. And it's your job to politic. To even in, even more than assessment. that resource management. You know that you don't have enough resources personally mm-hmm. to deal with all of the problems that are going to come up. So you need to constantly be com- communicating and relying and talking to all these people that, that are at one point your friend and the next point next turn your enemy. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that are on the level get that. And it's like, you see that. And then a lot of times things like that happen and it feels really unfortunate because, um, 
you feel like you have to like handle a little bit because you do want people to but, have. But I is it the new player's responsibility to be part of an unspoken agreement that was not spoken to them? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that necessarily at all. But it's just like on top of that, like I, but I, I, I but, I'm sitting next to a person where I have to remind them every single Ristic study trigger because they're playing the control deck as a brand new player, mm-hmm. and I need them to have interaction. But you don't have an unfortunate. I, I, I think my answer there is that like, hey, when we're doing that mutual threat assessment thing in the pod at the table. Um, now with that new player, your responsibility is to politic, not just in your favor at the baseline level you would be doing. There is this untapped resource that the other two people along with you are now trying to exploit for even more. Which is the, the new player. Well, this, and and so now it just requires you to put a def- additional effort into your politicking. towards hundred percent. And, and, and in my, from my perspective, that's hundred percent on you. Like, it's, Oh yeah, you're yeah. not, you're not wrong. And yeah. like you even said it, like uh, you saw one game where Atlas did have some success, you know, talking to a new player and like, you know, I watched him puppeteer a player, <laughs> you know, like that was uh, the thing is he pulled all the strings and that like, I've learned a lot from Atlas over the last few tournaments playing with him and, and just like casual games with him as well. And his politics. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I, I heard him manipulating you guys all last week. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, it's like I learned a lot and I implemented that a lot throughout the tournament. So like mm. there were some like when someone said I'm a new player and I'm like, great, that's awesome because I am going to point you at them mm-hmm. like and so using politics in that way, like um, I would say that even though like uh, James is a great player, uh, Gearson Starn, he had no idea how the CISA lines worked or when he should interact while holding on to interaction. And so I'm like. Uh, you know, and this is where the guy was moving so quickly. He was ready to go through his combo. And I'm like, shut, shut up. I'm trying to explain him. So because he has interaction, like, <laughs> like, like, let's, let's stop for a second so we can explain how this game works, you know, mm-hmm. so how this line works, because there is a chance that he can interact with you and you have to give him the opportunity. He has not passed priority. No one has passed priority and you're still going through your combo. Like, stop. Well, I, I mean, okay. I would say at the same time, the Sisse guy, uh, it was them successfully politicking the situation by trying 100%. to speed it up, understanding exactly. that you were the only other person at the table who understood the line. There was the uh, other two people who didn't understand what was going to happen, needed your guidance. So if he can just sort of like barrel through your explanation or get you to speed up your explanation to the point where the other two players don't understand the information you're trying to convey he was the person being most successful at politics in that situation and, you know, using it to his advantage. Totally. Yeah. So there is that. And then that kind of like leads into the next, um, like point in like optimized play, you Mm -hmm. know, in bringing new people to the table is that like their inexperience leads them to lose games. Yes. Right. It it happens. And And it doesn't just cause them to lose games, causes other people to lose games. Right. Which is the thing that I think you're most upset about. Right. Well, and I'm not upset like necessarily. Or or I'm saying that's, you know, what you're sticking on. Yeah. Yeah. My mentality through these games is, has always been the same. And it's like, you can't be mad at what has already happened. You can Mm -hmm. only move forward through the turns. And if the game ends for it gets your turn, that's just how the, you know, how that breaks down. Um, it is more that like, if you lose your first round, you start to fall down the ladder, you lose your second round, you start to fall down the ladder. And this is like experienced players kicking people down into the pit, because once you get down to the pit, there are a lot of inexperienced players or, or whatever people who are growing as players, I would say, um, who might not understand, uh, certain interactions and stuff like that. And so they interact in, uh, suboptimal points that lead to the, whatever outcome whatever person mm-hmm. would have won they're not good reps that are teachable moments yes yeah, it's hard that's a good point it's like yeah. there's not very very many teachable moments from those mistakes but uh, yeah outside so. of that if here's the thing and this is what we we're talking about the tournament and it was something i was kind of even noticing before you even brought it up evan it is like say you do have the reps but rng gets you you're not having a great day whatever you lose your first two out of five right you are now relegated, regardless of your experience, to these, whatever you called that, the the belly of the beast here of, you know, you're playing with the newer players, the people that are O2 records and stuff like that. And like, at first glance, you think, all right, game should start getting a little easier here, right? You know, like the, the cream is rising to the top. You know, those good players are playing table one, table two right now. I'm playing table seven, like... 
That is where the games start getting really difficult, though. That's, That's where the games start set, like getting sold for mistakes. And Optimized like play is efficient play. 100%. So it's like, yeah, it may be intimidating sitting at the table of guys who always hit top four, but you know what that table does 24-7? They communicate. Mm-hmm. They communicate hyper-effectively all of the time about what is happening at the board state to make sure everybody's on the same page. I, and that is just something you don't find at the back end. I win more games against experienced players than I win against inexperienced players. It's really tough, man. Like yeah. playing like there's some games where you just like you find yourself almost like babysitting and, and like it's it's very tough to like for me, I guess I'm working on becoming a better political player and I am seeing more and more how important it is in a mm-hmm. tournament setting. Um, especially in the, obviously the four, uh, four player tournament setting. Um, but it's not my strong suit. I like looking at my deck and looking at everybody's deck and, you know, figuring out the puzzle. Right. And that's what I want to do. But when I'm like, you're missing your heuristic study trigger, you're missing your heuristic study trigger. And I need you to find a counter spell. How do you still not have a counter spell? You've drawn 10 cards. Like, like doing that for like two to three people at a table is very draining for me mentally. Um, so I don't know. I, it's something for me to work on. You're hundred percent right is I need to get become a better political player. Yeah. And, and just to kind of uh, flip that and um, just kind of like move this conversation in a direction that doesn't sound like us losing games uh, or being, uh, you know, uh, a little upset about uh, having those not experiences. It's uh, you know, it's like, how do we help those players? Right. And how do we bring them up and uh, coach them through these things? And I think that if you've made it this far in the episode and you're still listening and you're still one of these new players, this is the moment where we can actually offer that advice and be like, hey, like next time you see this, like or like uh, helpful tips for how to uh, properly interact or like wait, it's like ask questions like yeah. that's like that's the big thing is like 100%. like you said like communication is happening at these uh, uh the higher tables 100 percent of the time these are players who understand the game but because they've asked so many questions right mm-hmm. and so yeah like I, I mean it's not just like knowing like what's going on in general or knowing what you're trying to do with your deck and then generally knowing what the other players are trying to do like it benefits you to be paying attention at all times and know uh, which part of the turn order we're in, regardless whether or not it's your turn, whether or not you plan on doing things, um, and knowing who has priority in the moment and paying attention to that, even when you're not involved in the situation, you're not planning to battle it out on the stack or interact in some way. And then when you see those things slipping, when you see other players at the table not knowing that information, take control of the situation like really slow things down 100 i think slowing down is just a huge part of it and mm-hmm. communicating more like across the board i think you really need to hold everybody at the table needs to hold the whole table accountable for following comp rel rules mm-hmm. um because things get sticky so fast yeah, yeah like you know there are a couple situations where evan basically had to do that where he just had to be the police and be like hey you literally like stop guys, everything guys stop 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 there stop. is yeah. definitely one person who doesn't know what's happening at yeah. all and, and two people who are kind of confused yeah and they need to figure and they're, they're not yeah. confident enough to be like put the brakes on it right so it's like you have to and it's sometimes it's uncomfortable and like that is that weird part about this like four player dynamic here yeah that's the best way to put it it's it's uncomfortable so if you're a new player and you're out there and you're in these games and you're in the middle of something and someone is just casting spell after spell after spell or they're chaining things together or effects or abilities together that is resulting in an outcome that you don't want to see you like uh you know it's hard to build the courage but eventually you will get there build the courage to stop the game state and say, I'm going to hold priority. Mm-hmm. Like I will hold on to my priority until I understand what is going on here. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Right. Or, or just stopping me like, Hey guys, what is the stack right now? Yeah. Yeah. Just what is a going- quick, yeah. quick assessment of what's going on. Also, like I think one of the strongest things you can do and like, I see great players with tons of experience do this all the time. And I, th- I think new players could use this to great effect. And that's just be like, what can, what should I do right now? Ask the table, be like, obviously something crazy is going on. I have this piece of removal. It's either counterspell, it's, you know, an exile, a destroy, whatever. Um, what should I point this at? And like, you can have you to table that. Yeah, you don't even have to tell what you're holding. Just be like, hey, I have interaction. You don't have to say what type of interaction. Totally. What are the different points that we can stick in? What, what is the problem yeah. here? What do we need to be focusing yeah. on? Like, that is like the conversation that like, we were talking in these top tables. They have that conversation literally 24-7. And, and it's just like, 
all right, yes, 30 seconds ago, you were the problem, but obviously that was taken care of now, and this is the problem, and you're equally the problem. So it's like we're constantly, like, you know, reassessing. And that's also politics, too. Like, you asking the table, like, hey, what should I be doing? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're asking them for help, and when you ask people for help, they naturally like you a little bit more, and they think that it defu- like, it's diffusing. Yeah, 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 it diffuses the situation. And like, especially yeah. like like if you throw your card down, if you give free game information, like don't do it all the yeah, time. Don't do that. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually do think you can do that. I think yeah, I think success for sure. I think you can definitely do that because it's success. It's just that next step in political manipulation. If you get better at it, sometimes it's just you don't want to give all the all the info away but sometimes you'll be like this is exactly what i have right now and it's like if that's true like if that is exactly what you have right now sometimes giving that information isn't a problem because you're planning obviously you need to burn your interaction here and that actually lets the other two players know that you're working with currently yeah where you're at and that gets you guys on a level and the other mm-hmm. two players and you that's the white you, flag yeah you and the other two players can then like brainstorm a way to work through being like i showed you that i have this soul partition what do i point it at and then they're like well i actually have this if you can soul partition that then i will show you this card in my hand and we can move forward this way give ourselves the best chance of yeah winning the game. even at the competitive level it is a team project up until it's time for someone yeah. to win which you I, know? is why honestly i think it's what makes this game so interesting right we're trying to force something that is so com- like such a competitive level and so much like mental stack mental processing um but at the same time we're heavily relying on each other yeah i, I mean so like you know how to tie this back into the main thing is like your experience that you're bringing to the table as a player is not just your experience it's the experience cumulatively of all four people in that game. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to draw on that um, that are to your advantage. And if you don't do that, uh, someone else is going to use it to their advantage. Yeah, and there's ways I'll to get buried by you, it. Yeah. And, and you're going to get buried by yeah, it. 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I will say that like stopping the game and holding priority gleans no more information than is given away on Arena when your opponent is letting the timer tick down. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, okay, they have priority. Like the game is telling them that they have priority. Like that they you don't still don't know what's in their hand. You know that they have a point of interact that where they can interact. Um, but you don't quite know what it is. You know, it's a cut down or whatever. Um, the uh, tip that I would give to new players, and this is what helped me grow a lot as a player, and maybe you guys ha- can have uh, or have tips too, but it's like um, I was always taught to wait until the last possible moment to interact, right? Mm-hmm. And that has taught me so much about like, ooh, I'm, I interacted too late. It's already too late, you know, and then you actually learn where you can stick your finger in to, to achieve success. So like, uh, for instance, that last game where the Pong of Fi was just fired off at the, at the wrong time had, you know, it's the difference between having two more life and having two less life. Yeah. Life totals of resource. It doesn't matter until you have none. Right. Yeah. So it's like, um, take the two life, allow me to gain the life and then move through the turns. I'm literally just attacking you because you don't have any blockers, right? Hold on to that. If the two life is detrimental, you can wait and fire that off when you're about to lose your last two life, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, uh, because you know it had you held on to that pongify you know it's like you can interact with sisse you can interact with you know uh, uh anybody like you can interact with me later when i cash the lion halar and actually present a win but i was not presenting a win at the time so um that's like that's my one tip for new players uh who are getting into the competitive scene is you know it's like ask those questions but then also try to wait until the last moment um to interact you know it's it's just going to teach you so much about the stack and how the game works yeah totally agree yeah um you guys have any tips uh for new players out there uh i like i said i think you know just that like aggressive amounts of communicating way more than you think you need to just communicate with everybody yeah like when you're like when we're at work we're we're in the food industry and it's like it's a different different level. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're sitting there, you're in the midst of service and of this chaos and hellfire, and you're just like behind, behind. Yeah, you literally left. have to notify someone every time you're in their proximity. Yeah, like it's yeah. that level of communication. And you're communicating like on the fifty tickets you're all making collectively yeah. at the same time. Communication is huge there, right? Layering, timing, and all that, and that that actually it's kind of crazy how much magic has like seeped into my life. Where like now when I'm working on tickets at you know at work, I'm thinking about the sequencing and how the stack. Is resolving because the stack is just your line of tickets so yeah uh, it's kind of funny that way but it, it all works out it all 
comes together, and that's how my brain works. Do bread abilities not use the stack when you're making a sandwich? Oh my god! <laughs> no, it's uh the quality of bread comes into play, right? Got it. You know, it, like it requires me to either choose a different piece of bread or a better card mm. specifically to interact with the stack. Timing restrictions on hot sandwiches yeah, versus cold sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. Are we just going to be coming up with tons of podcast episodes where they're just like <laughs> analogies from making sandwiches? Yeah. Sandwich analogies are the wave of the future, my dude. Yeah. Card selection is next. And that's, you know, picking your product. I think that is actually a great uh, topic for the next episode. 100%. Oh, we could definitely talk Our about sandwiches. That. Oh, hell yeah. I love yeah, sandwiches. I'm going to go in on some sandwich talk. Bread next selection. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, sh- I'll throw a little free plug. Uh, shout out Man on the Rocks. Their most recent episode is exactly about that, and it was great up. Yeah, and Atlas made top four again. He continues his streak. Unsurprising. He's a wonderful player. Shout out. And a wonderful guy. Hi, Atlas. <laughs> Hello. Uh, you guys got anything else for this awesome topic? Awesome pod. No, I will say I will keep Willie updated. Chris showed up. And made his promise true with the Lord of the Rings gift bundle dice. Oh, snap. Put yeah, it in the these mail. look sick. Yeah. This little countdown. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, that's all I got. Sweet. Number one podcast for Dr. Pepper. Number one podcast on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's our new tagline. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you guys want to support the show, uh, be sure you uh, join the Discord channel. You can find all of our links down below in the description. Uh, Make sure to follow us and subscribe on whichever podcast platform of your choosing and like, subscribe, and hit the bell for notifications on YouTube to be notified when new episodes drop, which, spoiler alert, is every Friday. Yeah, and uh, again, don't forget to suggest players that you want to hear player interviews with. Yeah, Yeah, actually... We want to talk magic with the best people in the game. Anybody doing cool shit out there, uh, you know, let us know. Yeah, how about this? If you put someone's name for players in the comments below whoever gets the most votes we'll reach out to them invite them onto the show get a player interview going and the person that gets picked you get a freaking sticker dude you beat me to it you get a sticker (laughs) you don't get a foil sticker yet here's the thing is that since i didn't uh play against atlas in that final round which i would have been paired against him still doesn't have a sticker still doesn't have a foil sticker sorry atlas just a plain ass sticker yeah just a plain one uh if you come on the show i can't guarantee a foil sticker but if you beat us in a game while you're hanging out you get a foil sticker boom tough but fair There's got to be a bounty on it. They're expensive, though. There were a lot of people asking throughout the course of the tournament. They were like, uh, you know, I beat that guy over there. Do I get a foil sticker? And I said, that's Kyle. Kyle came, <laughs> Kyle came with us and owns a, a Mock Stars mat. Yeah. Kyle is merely an associate or affiliate of the podcast. You do not get a sticker I'd look for beating him, him. I'd look him dead in the eye, just serious, and I'd be like, you got to beat me <laughs> if you want to get a sticker. So wait, it has to be specifically evident. No, no, like, no. It's it's outward okay, I give him. Okay, yeah, uh, I give him a fuck yeah. stickers. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all we got for the, today's episode. All right, y'all. Uh, thanks for listening. All right, see ya. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Catch y'all next week. Yeah. Bye.